Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after-show entertainment. Very good, From the AfterBuzz studios in Los Angeles, California, presented by Maria Menounos and Bing.com, and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies, this is AfterBuzz TV's Doctor Who After Show. We'll break down tonight's episode and get you all the latest news and gossip. If you'd like to buzz in on tonight's show, you can buzz us at 424-256-1729. That's 424-256-1729. And now, another post-game wrap-up show for your favorite TV show. It's AfterBuzz TV's Doctor Who After Show. Bing is for doing, and we are here doing another episode of Doctor Who, um, Season 7, Episode 9, Cold War. Cold War! I like the way you say it better. Yes, Cold War. That's really nice. The two things in life served cold, war and revenge. Also, also gazpacho. (laughs) Gazpacho is also a dish best served cold. Oh, you've been waiting all week to do that. No, I haven't. I swear, I do. I do improv (laughs) for a living, Jenna. There is no money in it. (laughs) There is no money at the top of Improv Mountain. Hey guys. Hi. Um, Wow. Yeah. So uh, we are talking about Cold War, uh, an episode that I really, really like. And that Jenna apparently has mixed feelings. About. I have I there there are some mixed feelings. Yes, um, I, I I thought it was an aggressive episode. Mm-hmm. It's easily the best episode that Mark Gatiss has done. I agree ever, with that. Yes, ever. I totally agree. Because I that. typically like, and I love Sherlock. Mm-hmm. I <gasps> hate his episodes. Idiot's Lantern is one of like two episodes that I skip every time I do a mm-hmm. series rewatch. That is funny, because I love Sherlock also. Yeah, but his Doctor Who episodes have never done it for me. Mm-mm. This one did. Yeah. Um, as we had the Doctor and Clara, thinking they were on their way to Las Vegas, wind up in a submarine, a, a Russian nuclear submarine, under the sea mm-hmm. in the 1980s mm-hmm. with an evil ice warrior who might... Not perhaps not that evil. <laughs> perhaps he is just misunderstood. Oh, if he mm. looked like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. We'll, we'll get. We'll get to we'll that. Get to that. Yeah. So the Ice Warriors. Yes. Uh, not seen since the Third Doctor adventure, uh, the Monster of Peladon. They in look a little different. They look a little different. Mm-hmm. A little older. A little bolder. Uh huh. Um, a little rubbery. Well, in in the face. In the face. In the face made of CGI. Yes. Uh, which 
I loved the suit. Mm-hmm. I thought that was cool. I thought the character of Skeldak was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that the whole the the episode was really tense. I I liked. I liked and didn't like that the TARDIS just disappeared for... I did not like that. I, I was just like, what, what? why are they doing that? All right, I guess the stakes are higher now. Yeah. As like, but, the, but you know what? Everybody, we're critics, so we're, we're supposed to be like, okay, that's convenient. Yeah, I just, I thought it was a little silly. I thought maybe a, an explanation, better explanation. I don't yeah. know. They, they could, well, that's like... That's it, and and I'll get mad at Mark Gatiss for that because you could come up with a million explanations yes. for that that you could you could supply when it happened, right? Not at the end of the so episode, so that we're not thinking about it for the whole episode. That, see, that's why it bothered me. It's not that it disappeared because sure, if you have a reason for it, I'm fine with it. You want to raise the stakes that way? That's great. Just tell me why. Yeah, and or make it part of the story, trying yeah. to figure it out, whatever. And now it's at the South Pole. And honestly, I see. I was more interested to see them journey from the North Pole to the South Pole than I was in the entire episode. But to be fair, I'm not a big fan of things like Hunt for Red October and 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 this is a big part of it for me. Okay. I am extremely claustrophobic ah, underwater. I can't ice. scuba. I can't look at submarines. I get it now. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that so, so do, you're just the wrong person to be reviewing this episode. I was not the correct audience no, for this episode. You were not the intended audience. Mm-hmm. I thought it was great, and and as much as people compare it to Red October, the the movie that to me it evoked the most was Alien. Yes, no, it definitely did, and that movie I love. Yes, like once Skeldek got out of his suit, which was a great reveal, because we were not expecting him to ever be able to leave, Mm -hmm. because like it was chained up, it was a chained up suit. How did he get free? Well, it opens and it snapped the chains. Yeah, fine. Mm -hmm. Um, And you know, hiding him was a smart move because like I was really, I was really afraid. Of this of this monster, and also really looking forward to seeing his yeah. face. But then when they showed his face, oh. it's such a dumb looking face. So dumb. It's such a dumb looking face. So you could have picked any face on the face of the planet. <laughs> you could have picked a million different faces, uh-huh. but that's the one you picked. I know. I'm putting Stephen Moffat on blast because it could, like, legitimately. This is what took what was a five star episode for me. The first one. Like, since Dinosaurs on a Spaceship, anyway, that I'm like, I would revisit this outside of a series rewatch, and you bumped it from five stars back down to four because you made your monster look stupid. Sweetie, do you need some chamomile tea? No! (laughs) Perhaps a Xanax? No Xanax. No Xanax for me. (laughs) I'll see your Xanax in hell. Oh, dear. Yes. I hope they have Xanax in hell. I'm only just realizing how mad this made me. I am... Oh, my gosh. Wow. I did not... I was not aware that I was this upset about it till we started this after show, Jenna. Oh, dear. Perhaps you've had too much coffee? No. No? Okay. There will never be enough coffee. Well, that's true. Okay, but here's... All right, so here's what I think about the face. Because, you know, I did makeup for 15 years. So this is a big thing for me. It's too squished in, which makes the face look too cute. Yeah. It needs to be elongated. The roundness and the way that the um, the spikes or whatever we're calling the far far uh, brow ridges. Yeah, the brow ridges. Um, they're they're pointing up a little bit too high and makes them look just slightly surprised. And the and then the wide mouth. It, it's too um, cute fish. It's guppy like. So it yeah. needs to be elongated. If it had been elongated, it might have been a little little scarier. And yeah, it's just the dumb. And like then, and also. After such a great 
practical suit, mm-hmm. why resort to the CGI rubber face right. ru- and rubbery CGI face at that? Yeah. You know, they do such great work mm-hmm. with the Silurians, which are also a reptilian yep. race. You know, I feel like so fantastic. A, a practical, a practical effect mm-hmm. would have been really, really effective there, and really brought some humanity to yep. to this character who we were empathizing with when mm-hmm. we're just, when at the climax when uh, the do- when the doctor and Clara are convincing him not to blow up the planet. Yeah, like we just went through this whole journey with Skaldak discovering <coughs> that he's been trapped for Sorry. five thousand years. You know, mm-hmm. getting attacked, having his honor called upon yeah. and 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 carrying that out to that end when he realizes that he's alone in the universe then coming this close to the brink mutually assured destruction yep and then discovering that his people are alive if not for that rubbery guppy face mm-hmm. this episode would have been an instant stunner well okay so there were a couple of problems that I had with okay. it and and I'm not saying that I didn't that I that I hated the episode because I did not. Okay. I mean, and, and I and, didn't either. Like, like I'm I'm mad about the face because of how much I loved everything else. Yeah. And the and the face was in like that last three minutes. Yeah. Everything but the last three minutes was five stars through the roof. Okay. So well, and as I said, I do have the claustrophobic thing. I don't like submarines. I don't like movies about submarines. Things filmed in submarines. Father Wizard just tweeted us saying that it must have been a really cramped shoot, and even hearing that makes my skin crawl. Wow. So there's that. But there are a couple of things. First Remind of me all, to never have you fetch anything from an attic. Do you think I would fetch anything anyway? I, no. <laughs> I mean, I if would you were, send minions to fetch things. I mean, if uh, all right, well, if I was, if I was, if I needed help moving, no, you know? attics are acceptable. Okay, as long as you don't have to have me fetch something from a submarine, we're totally good. Okay, Rogue Nine A makes makes a fair point. He says, "Blame the BBC CGI team for the Ice Warriors phase, not Stephen Moffat." But I will say this: the man had to approve the design. At it's some true. Point. It's true. Even if he did not animate it frame by frame himself, mm. the man's the executive producer on the show. Him and. Uh, uh, Carol Skinner or Eliza Skinner? I uh, uh, should look that up. I will look it up. Okay. Caroline Skinner. He and Caroline Skinner are the executive producers of the show. They approve every decision that is made on the show. Someone approved the face. We're right. moving on from the face. Yes. Okay, so here here is one thing that bothered me. Okay. Um, stupid young Russian man looks at that block of ice with that shadow in it and thinks, that could totally be a mammoth. I know, but... but really? Well... Mammoth... Yeah. Elephant, human shape, humanoid. Okay. okay, well, you know what? Maybe it was half a mammoth, and it was... It looked like a person. Sealed off by the ice. I would disagree. It looked like a person. It looked like a shape. They it have looked been like on, a person shape. Jenna, they have been on a submarine forever. <laughs> Cut them some slack. So then it should start to look like a woman. Yes. Not a mammoth. Why do you think he was trying to free it from the ice? Oh, God. Yeah, exactly. Because he wants to have sex with a mammoth? Yes. A dead mammoth? He does. As opposed to the other kind. Well, <laughs> Those are the live kind that are just well, wandering around. Uh, okay. I could say a million things, but I won't. Um, but, but, but that here, was a thing. But you know what? I, that moment was sold for me <laughs> because of of the the guy that they cast as that dumb guy who's going to release it from the convincingly ice. Convincingly dumb. Yes, convincingly <laughs> dumb and arrogant and just like, you know, douchey. Right. But also, like, someone will figure out that you did it. Ah, whatever. He he thinks that nothing's going to come of it. I can't wait to see the mammoth. It's dead. Also, like, 
That's really exciting, but I can't wait a few more days to see a mammoth. Yeah, I couldn't. Well, but if you're on, if they've been on this sub <laughs> for an undetermined amount of time, they get very little entertainment. Nothing <laughs> changes. You. So Be- dead animals is totally well, the way to go. Well, but, I mean, like, you just talked about how it's cramped and there's no space. Imagine seeing the same people in the same cramped space forever. And then mm. something changes. You're going to want to screw around a little bit. And and destroy the ancient mammoth with a blowtorch. Okay. Let's move, let's <laughs> okay. move on. Okay. All right. Okay. We had so, some great... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no. Okay. So then... And then there was the language thing, which was explained but bothered me in the beginning of the episode. As I said in the last um, podcast that we did... Um, the language thing. And, and like I said, it was explained. I thought it was very effective in this episode. Oh, no, once it was explained, yeah. Okay. But in the, the first couple minutes, oh, I was because like... The, because it didn't work in the last episode, you were bothered that it just worked again? Well, no, no, I, I was just bothered in the beginning because I was like, oh, we're doing the language thing again. This is a Russian sub? Okay, but Liam Cunningham is in this. Now, guys, yeah. I do have to say this was an incredible cast. Liam Cunningham from and Game David of Thrones. And David Warner. Yeah, but I mean, I know Liam Cunningham because I watch Game of Thrones obsessively, and so... I think of him with this, and he has a strong British accent, and I just, and I recognize him, so I didn't jump right to Russian, and that bothered me a little. Again, yeah. they explained it, and then it was fine. But that was a thing that bothered me. One other thing that bothered me is at the end of the episode, they're all standing outside. You know, they're almost at the North Pole, wearing kind of, they don't, they don't seem cold to me. You know what, Jenna? Again, just... <laughs> Put your hands it's, on your shoulders and shiver a little. It's a show about a time-traveling alien. Well, Cut yes, them some slack. But, but cold, cold happens. Yeah. They still have cold. Yeah. Just, like, it's it was a small thing. It wasn't the writing. Like, just shiver. Seem chilly. Okay, fine. Okay. Fine. I'm sorry. Um, I just had some so logic we, problems. Well, no. We had, we, had so, we had a great cast in this episode. Uh, Liam Cunningham did a great job I as Captain, Captain Zhukov. He's Sir um, Davos. Yes, yeah, Sir Davos. The Onion Knight. The Onion Knight. And uh, he did a great job. Steely Resolve. Mm. You know, people compared him to Connery in Red October. I see it. Great. David Warner, you know, from Tron and a billion other things, shows up in this episode. And, like, I didn't recognize him for the first half. Yeah, I didn't either. And then I finally realized who it was. I freaked out. Oh, well, I geeked out. And then I was like, why is he in such a small part? <laughs> like, uh, someone tweeted me about this earlier during the la- during the taping of the last episode. I'm just like, why is he in this kind of like throwaway part? But he does mm-hmm. he does so much with what he's given. And uh, I was tweeted at, I believe, by Father Wizard. Um, yes, by Father Wizard. Uh, Ultravox did break up. Mm. Um, they uh, they they broke up. There was a, a lineup. Uh, uh, one of the original members left in 1987 uh, to establish a solo career. A new lineup led by sole ba- uh, original band member, keyboard player slash violinist Billy Curry uh, formed a new version of the band in 1992 but received very little success. But they reformed in 2008 uh, and performed a series of reunion shows in 2009 and 2010 before releasing the brilliant album in May t- 2012. Um, and in November 2013, Ultravox will perform a special ge- guest on a tour date UK arena tour with Simple Minds. That's such a lovely story. Yes. So Ultravox broke up. 
but they got back together. You know what? I would just like to point out that we should ha- we should watch an episode together sometime because the last episode you cried, this episode you geeked out of your mind. I, I feel like it might be more entertaining to watch you watch the show than it's, to watch the show itself. It's entertaining <laughs> to watch me watch anything because I can't help myself. You should have seen me watch, and, and I will get back on topic immediately, but you should have seen me watch the Man of Steel trailer, the new <gasps> one, because literally, like, my face changed over the course of it just like I stopped breathing and my oh. mouth got bigger and more like a smile until I literally was sh- holding myself shaking oh. during the last minute of that. Dude, I was on the set of that and I wasn't as excited as I was when I saw the trailer. Yeah. So. Yeah, exactly. I agree. Also, I would like to point out somebody is asking if we are having phone issues this evening because they're trying to oh. call in. I'm not sure. Are they we we are in Studio B. Yes, we know. are checking. We are checking. We're, we are looking into it. We, we. I believe we have them online. Oh, oh we, we do. do. Hello. Hello. Hey, how's it going? Hi. Oh, wow, I'm just realizing there's a huge online stream right now. It's funny. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what's your name out there in, in cyberspace? I am Soren Chris One Three Seven. Oh, hey, oh, Soren hey. Chris One Three Seven. You gave us some great tweets earlier. Thanks for that. Yes, and we did pick the other one apart. Yes, we did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I'm just wondering, do you guys think that there could be any relationship to these ice warriors and what happened in the waters of Mars with the ice monster infection thing? Ooh, I, I hadn't thought about that. I hadn't considered that. It occurred to me in while watching the waters of Mars... Uh, or no, sorry, while watching this episode, why didn't they reference the Ice Warriors in the Waters of Mars? But that's very interesting. I think that that theory would hold more credence if the Ice Warriors had, in fact, been ex- exterminated. Yeah. If they had been made extinct. But then again, that episode takes place later on yeah, that's in, the sh- in the overall chronology. It takes place in the early 2100s, I believe. Mm. So that very well could have wiped out the Ice Warriors by that time. That is an interesting comment. That's actually really cool. I, I will do some investigating. But guys on Twitter, if you have any thoughts on that, let us know. Yeah, hit us up. Because that's... Christian, that was very awesome. That's an awesome thought, dude. Nice work. Thank you. Yeah. You feel free to send us all of your theories. Yeah, we love theories. We love theories at AfterBuzz Central. Yeah. <laughs> that's um, awesome. We'll be in fan base. Yeah, yeah man. Uh, <laughs> any, any other choice thoughts on this episode? Uh, I'd have to say Rivers Red Sonic Screwdriver reference. Nice bringing. Where did you notice that? Oh, I didn't catch that. I didn't catch that. Uh, I noticed on Reddit actually people were mentioning that in Science and Library, uh, Rivers tells the doctor to use the his red, red settings. Setting on the red settings, yeah. And the, the Sonic Screwdriver turned red at one point in this. In, I did uh, notice it turned red. Yeah. Huh. I didn't know. I don't really know what's going on, and apparently it can turn red now. Well, I mean, it, it, apparently it can have turned red. It, it 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 has been able to turn red for quite some time. They just don't do it. Um, but it's interesting. I wonder if that was indeed deliberate, or if that was just just like a blooper. Yeah, because I did notice it. I'm just looking, I'm, I'm looking online as well, but I did notice that it turned red guess, and it was when he was holding it up and it was open. Right. Now, what function was it performing at the time when it turned red? Um, He was threatening Skaldak that he was going to detonate the bombs. Okay, so mm-hmm. it 
the red settings potentially uh, could be to, I mean, to vibrate <laughs> atoms. Yep. Um, also, I do want to point out, sorry, I just went to a bad place. Um, Matt Smith um, apparently referenced that during a Comic-Con panel saying it would turn you into an orangutan. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. The red, se- so you, you heard it here. Uh, the red <laughs> settings will turn you into an orangutan. So the doctor was bluffing the whole time. He wasn't going to blow up the missiles. He was going to turn Skaldak into an orangutan. Those things are dangerous. I don't know if that would helped. Would have helped. Can orangutans press buttons? <laughs> Orangutans can press buttons. The question is, would it be interested in the button? They also rip your face off. They also rip your face off. So. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think, yeah, that actually wouldn't have helped their situation at all. No. <laughs> at all. That would have been a poor use of the red settings. <laughs> poor use of the red settings. But thank you for pointing that thank out because that, that, that was awesome. Yeah. Cool. Well, right, I have some money. Go now. Hey. Okay. See you, bud. Cool. That thank, was awesome. Yeah, thank you so much for calling in. Um, one thing that was was fun about watching this episode and then watching Game of Thrones this week is that uh, the actor who played Stepashin, uh, Tobias Menzies, actually wound up on uh, Game of Thrones as Edmure Tully. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So fun little scheduling coincidence. Poor Edmure. Oh, um, Ro- um, Rogue9A said they did bring up the Ice Warriors in Waters of Mars. A doctor talks about the Ice Warriors briefly. I will have to rewatch. Yeah, no. To see that. Oh, that's so exciting. That's really cool. I love finding out new stuff. You guys are the best. You guys are the best. Yeah. Um... So there, there was. Uh, I did want to mention that Duran Duran, Hungry Like the Wolf, was in there, which was like a really, really cool. It, it was cool that they did that, and it when uh, Clara sang it, it, it felt scary. It did. It also, uh, and the reason I mention it is because when I was a little kid, that song scared the crap out of me. Oh, really? Well, yeah, because they were like howling and they were chasing this woman, and it was oh, I don't the know. music video. Yeah, well, no, just even the song. I remember sitting in the back of my parents' car listening to it. I was really, really little, and be, I was absolutely terrified. And, oh, it's a fun song. It's a dance. Well, song. now I love it, but I was little, and I that totally yeah. scared me. And of course, it made me think of Bad Wolf, and I don't know. Yeah. Um, for for purely selfish reasons, I'm just gonna say I liked I liked Jenna Louise Coleman's dress in this episode. Oh, that's okay. That's perfectly acceptable. I mean, they hit it after after one scene, but then putting her on a sub that's filled with water that's constantly dripping everywhere. <laughs> is a decision that someone could make is the only comment that I'm going to make about that because we have a unisex fan base who I respect. <laughs> yeah, it's, He it's, nodded at the camera. It's fine. I, I've thought people were hot on the show before. Yeah, you thought Matt Smith was yeah, hot. Yeah, I do. I totally think he's she hot. She still does. I still do. She still does, and that makes it mm-hmm. okay. Yes. Yeah, so you can think Jenna Louise Coleman is hot. That's perfectly acceptable. Okay, <laughs> I will. I mean, in in addition to the raging crush you have on her, which oh, you have said. Yeah, I know, but this this scenario exacerbated what was. Oh what, yes. Which what, what was a schoolboy crush? This crush oh, got his degree and went off to college, or oh, got his diploma and went off to college and became a man. That's not going to end well. No, no, it's not. Um, <laughs> my crush in college, crazy. Uh, bah, 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 bah. <laughs> the things they're learning about us this evening. Yes, people are learning so much about us. I'm afraid of Duran Duran. You yeah. are 
I'm not going to finish that sentence. Uh, no, it's um, best that I don't. Of the male persuasion? <laughs> yeah, no. Anyway, um, I love the scene. So we've got we've got Skaldak uh, gets cattle prodded. Yeah. Early in the episode. And um, really effective first scene yeah. with the Ice Warrior. Um, you know, the doctor's trying to calm him down. We don't know what his agenda is. We, we don't know that we would have been okay if uh, no one had attacked it. Right. And... Uh, he gets cattle prodded by Stepishin, and then he we have him in this interrogation room. And I love this whole sequence um, where they're trying to figure out who should go, uh, who should go get her. And Clara, Clara volunteers. The doctor immediately is excited, and then he's like, "No, like, like, like it occurred. It hadn't occurred to him." And he's like, "This is a great idea. Shoot, I'm supposed to be protecting. No, yep. you can't do that." And then. Uh, while she was in there talking, uh, t- telling him what the doctor was saying over the mic, uh, and we assume that he's in the suit, but then he's just somewhere in the room. This whole scene, it was just a very well-crafted sequence. And again, I like I have to compliment Mark Gatiss, who just like, I, I kind of, I had written him off as a Doctor Who writer. Yeah. Like, flat out. Like, um, sorry. I just, I, yeah. <laughs> His his episodes are not are not great, but like the the level that the stakes got to in this episode, I think is it feels even higher because it's the planet. Yeah, it's the planet, and time mm. can be rewritten. I mean, how bonkers would it be if the missiles had gone, and now suddenly Doctor Who existed in an alternate timeline? Ooh, like Ooh. where the Cold War had ended the world. Oh. How bonkers awesome would that be? I mean, well, Clara would no longer exist. And you'd have four arms. And, no, I wouldn't be alive. Well, you might have survived underground and you would have been one of those creepy things. But that's assuming that both my parents survived and then still wanted to have a child in a Mm. a hellish post-apocalyptic landscape. Hey, they still have kids on Walking Dead. Fair. Uh-huh. Yeah. Fine. Uh-huh. I'm not saying well, that's it's a, a good se- decision. That is a selfish decision on their part to I have agree. children on The Walking Dead. I agree. Yeah. I absolutely agree. <laughs> wow, we were having this discussion. But yeah. you know, there is something that that I have to say as um somebody who remembers that time period. Please, please enlighten. Yes, I'm very old. Um I remember there being more um it didn't seem quite tense enough to me. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Not. I'm not talking about like once everything was going on yeah. with the Ice Warrior. But it, before that, it didn't seem tense enough. That was an incredibly... Like, I remember um, rumors on the playground all the time that we're going to have nuclear war on Tuesday. I don't know. We were less sophisticated. Well, it we was 1983. Where was the height of the tension during the 80s. I feel like it was later on. It depend it? it depends on what specific moment. Like there were if, if there was something going on, it would go up and it would but it would go up and down all the time. Yeah, but I mean, I think I don't know, it it just struck me that way and maybe it was because I remember it from when I was little. Mhm. And I I guess I don't know, it just seemed too calm. Yeah. And I mean, I know you have to build somewhere story-wise, but well, we have I think with Zhukov as captain we weren't. They weren't trigger happy Russians, right? No, and you know. I, I did. I did like that. I think it was just that. 
I just I just remember this this incredible tense feeling and I don't know if you're honest and maybe maybe that's also my submarine thing I don't know maybe, maybe. I was just tense sitting on my sofa watching some someone in a yeah. submarine let's talk about what Mark Gatiss did for the Ice Warriors and their lore and their their portrayal you know this was something that he legitimately had to talk Stephen Moffat into mm-hmm. um, he did not want to do Ice Warriors in the new season new series um, he didn't see any reason to bring them back. There wasn't uh, anything interesting to do with them as characters. Right. Um, but we now we have this this kind of heartbreaking story about this this father who uh, who loses his child and everyone that he knows. He gets trapped in ice for five thousand years, and he thinks that all of his society is dead, and he's the last one trapped in a war that he's going to end and trying to take him back from the brink, the grief of a father, yeah. is something that you don't expect from a Doctor Who villain, an alien especially. Yeah. Yeah, I, I particularly like that. I also liked that it was his daughter. Yeah. I don't know. That just And that he had a, con- a connection with Clara because yeah. of that. Yeah, I thought it that was, was really well was done. It was really, really nicely done. And it, it just, to elevate... A goofy costume monster to something of that magnitude shows how much the show has evolved. Shows how much how Mark Gatiss as a writer has evolved. It's it it took the story to a level that it wasn't necessarily in the promos. Yeah, you know, it really elevated it to a nice level, and it's something. It's a motivation that. A lot of the villains don't have, and I would say that it was a far stronger motivation and a far more compelling villain than either of the villains we've been served up yeah. in the last two episodes. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Yeah, and it's a shame we will likely never see him again. I know. Oh, that makes me sad. Though, you know, he Though gets, your fa- his face makes you angry, so maybe yeah. it's best. But you know what? If we, just, if we just keep them in a cold place, they won't get out of the suits. <laughs> and then we'll never see the faces again, oh. and everything will be great. Okay. Yeah. Well, they have time. I mean, you know, next season, they've got time to write that in. And I'm sure they're listening. Yeah. So. Well, I mean. They could be. If you, if you created a show, how could you not... At least, like, until you were driven mad from negativity. <laughs> How could you not listen to everything that was said about it? It's that, true. That must be the hardest part. Oh, yeah. Living in the public eye as a creator of media. Oh, there have been plenty of writers who've left Twitter because they don't, they can't handle it. I don't know. I mean, I have a sort of a a different take on negative criticism because it's, or criticism in general. Because you you're a get, critic. Well, yeah, but I'm not mean. Fair. But I just, I think you can get something. Like, if you believe the negative one, the positive ones, you have to believe the negative ones. And I think maybe you just keep going with whatever your artistic um, idea is rather than taking all that into consideration. Although it's hard to do with something like Doctor Who where you have fans who are so dedicated and so loyal. Right. So there's that. Okay. Um, let's, I'd like to take a moment now to uh, talk about iTunes. Yes. Um, everybody. We do this show. We don't get paid for it. Um, we do not. We and we we get to do this show by the saving grace of our fans. Uh, we are lucky to have a nice sized fan base, an active fan base who talks to us on a regular basis, um, and we love doing this show. So if you like our show, 
Um, please subscribe to us on iTunes and give us a nice comment and a rating. Um, let us know what you think. You know, mm-hmm. tweet at us or uh, comment on the YouTube videos. We try to see everything that everyone sends to us, and we try to respond to, to what we can. Um, and we want to keep doing this show as long as we're able to. You know, so uh, let's let's do this together. Huh? Indeed. Let's band together like Woo! Russians on a submarine, a um, cramped submarine. I just, I just want to say, first of all, Christian um, is going to revisit the beginning of the episode to check out Jenna's dress. Great. So you, you have a. You he have, didn't need me to convince him to do that. No, probably not. But, but also, um, Rogue Nine A says that Jenna Louise Coleman is dating Richard Madden, who is Rob Stark. What? I cover TV and film, but I do not cover gossip, so I did not know that. But wow. <laughs> Mind blown. <laughs> that's, that's an air horn sound. I made that um, with my mouth. Are you? <laughs> I made that air horn sound with my mouth. Are you okay? I am fine. Okay. I'm, I are you am sure? S- so fine. <laughs> fine. I am great. Oh, dear. I'm so great. You sound fine. Um. I'm a happy go lucky guy. No. Well, it's b- mostly because she hasn't met you yet, Matt. So, That's true. I mean, she's met Richard, but she has not met you. Yeah, Once but she meets you. I don't turn into a direwolf. And murder well, he enemies. doesn't turn into a direwolf. He has a direwolf. I know, but that's the rumors that are on the battlefield. Oh yeah, well yeah, that is true. That he turns into a direwolf at night. That's true. Meow. Oh, eh. so we'll just have to make up a rumor about you. You turn into an ice warrior with a better face. It's not. Let's not even go there. Let's <laughs> not even go there. I was. I was gonna say I turned into a sloth. And I sneak by. Sloths are adorable. Yeah, and I sneak by things very, very slowly. (laughs) People, in fact, will carry me into places because they're like, "What's this sloth doing here?" Man, I don't know. Cute, and then they'll carry me into sensitive areas. I don't know how she could resist. And then I'll turn back, (laughs) and I'll do whatever I was going to do there. She's helpless She's against helpless your charms. helpless against those... And very long fingernails. Very long fingernails. As a sloth, <laughs> not in real life. Um, oh my God, what's happening? Let's not, let's not derail this, Jenna. We were doing so good. We were, we, we were. were. doing so well. I'm going to send you sloth videos <sighs> every day. You won't. Yes, I will. All right, great. Um, <laughs> let's, uh, let's talk predictions. Predictions. And now... Your AfterBuzz TV predictions. Now we we made a boo boo in the last episode. Yes, we did. We said that there were only four episodes left mm-hmm. in the season. We were wrong. We were because we forgot one of the most important ones: um, Journey to the Center of the TARDIS, <gasps> which, which I'm very excited for. Which is in two episodes. We've got Hide up mm-hmm. next. Which looks very scary. It really does. It actually I'm actually does excited for it. I don't know. I don't know what to expect there. I don't know how it's going to wind up being an alien because it looks like it's a ghost. Yeah. In, from the from the from the preview anyway. Yep. Um, like even just looking at the run of episode titles, mm-hmm. it's just a very strange string of episodes. Yeah. To throw a new companion into. I know, and again, that's what I I've been saying. I think it would have a lot of this would have changed for me if we'd had thirteen straight episodes yeah. with Clara. Yeah, but 
Journey to the Center of the TARDIS is going to be so bonkers great. Cool. And I think I'm pretty sure it's written by Chris Chibnall, if Mm -hmm. I'm not wrong. I think so. Who I loved his episodes in the first half of the season. I loved Dinosaur on on a Spaceship. And I think over time, The Power of Three is going to be seen as one of the better episodes. I, I love it. Of the Matt Smith era, it is yeah. it is an understated episode. It's a different kind of episode for this all this iteration of the series. Yeah, and it's a lot of fun. It's effective. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Journey to the Center of the TARDIS. It was actually it was written by Stephen Thompson, not oh, by that? Chris Chibnall. Oh. Yes. Um. Yeah. There will be three brothers from inter- an intergalactic salvage crew, played by Ashley Walters, Mark Oliver, and Javel Hall. Uh, when the TARDIS is invaded by the salvage crew who want to sell it for scrap. Uh, the Doctor threatens to destroy the TARDIS, putting it in lockdown, and uh, Clara has to f- basically fight her way out. Mm. Um, which, uh, I don't know. what uh, I, I assume we're going to see the pool. We better see the pool. We better see the pool somewhere. We'd be angry if we don't see the pool. Um, I'd love to see... More classic TARDIS rooms, yeah, like uh, uh, TARDIS control rooms. I want to see wood paneled Tom Baker TARDIS control mm-hmm. room, the one that was only for a small run of episodes. Yeah, I want to see that. I want to see where all the clothes are kept. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to see the bedrooms. I'm just dirty like that. I want to see its brain. <laughs> I want to see the TARDIS's brain. I- what do you want to see, Jenna? I don't know. I, I thought that was really funny. Okay. Well, it's, uh, it, it has a brain. Um, yeah, I want to see that. We're going to get a lot of cool stuff there. And then mm. we've got the Crimson Horror bringing back Strax, Jenny, and, that's and Madame Vastra. Mark, Mark Gattis again. Mark Gatiss. Gatiss, sorry. And then we have Neil Gaiman's second <gasps> episode. So excited. Yes, Nightmare and Silver. Oh, my God. And potentially the funeral of River Song. Yes. Lots to come. And I, I think... I think you know, like, once we get to Journey of the Center of the TARDIS, we've got a run of episodes coming that's really going to knock our socks off. I think so, too. And I really can't wait to see them. You know, we're yeah. fans first, critics second. Yes. And uh, all we want to do is see the show succeed. <laughs> so excited. Yeah. Um, Sorry, that was very high-pitched. And oh, it wasn't high-pitched enough. Yeah. Sorry, I can't go any higher. Um, okay, yes. Yeah. So, guys, you can follow AfterBuzz on Twitter at, at AfterBuzzTV. You can follow me at, at Jenna Bush, B-U-S-C-H, like the beer, not the president. Um, you can find all of my writing, some of the Doctor Who stuff, on voice.fanhattan.com. Yes, and you can find me at, at Matt Lieberman on Twitter, M-A-T-T-L-I-E-B-E-R-M-A-N. Uh, if you want to see online sketch comedy, I'm part of a sketch comedy group called, Which is awesome. called Viewers Like You, VLYTV.com. Uh, we have some cool stuff coming out. We have a Mario sketch coming out. We have a Game of Thrones sketch <gasps> coming out. Um, we have a Harry Potter sketch coming out, I believe, in mid-May. Uh, yeah, so that should be cool. Um, and if you're in L.A. and you love live comedy, uh, I am at the iOS Theater the first Sunday of every month at 7.30 p.m. as a member of DJ Fawcett, 6366 Hollywood Boulevard. Tickets are available online at, uh, at uh, west.ioimprov.com. Awesome. Well, guys, we can't wait to see you next week. Yeah, so come back. From Bing.com, executive producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. 
to watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.